Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and summer is now well underway. So is this season of the show. It is season three, but this is actually episode number 95 overall. We're still going strong, so thank you all for being here. And some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe. The video is pretty cool. You do get more features there, and you're able to see the guests the way I do when we talk, which is awesome. Okay, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Rhonda Ravel, longtime pillar of the softball community, and I am thrilled to have her. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. And today where I'm going to start is the World Games. International softball, it's been super exciting to watch, as usual. But one of the coolest call-outs that I think we've seen from this competition is on Team USA. So Haley McClenney is back. She's been playing in Alabama with Team USA. The reason that this is such a big deal, too, is because almost every Tokyo Olympian, player or coach, that we've had on the show has talked about how hard it was not having family at the Olympics last year. 
So the fact that she's actually back in her home state, she was seeing her parents in the stands, and she said in an interview, and they talked about it on the broadcast, that just seeing her parents in the stands is all that she needs. Like her teammate, Kayla Bro, they played college ball together at, at Alabama. We recognize Kayla from all the ESPN games that she has done. She said it too. She's like, you know what? I can confirm, like from my experience with her as a teammate, like she is very family first. And it was just cool to hear some of those stories on the call. Also, shout out to our friend, Gray Robertson, who's been on the show before back in season two, also on the call with Kayla. This is on CBS Sports Network too. So it was awesome to see softball on a mainstream network. And we love everything that ESPN does, but the more networks, the better. I think the thing about McClenny is that there just felt like there were core memories happening for her in her life with her and her family. You know, it was her birthday during that time. She hit a bases clearing double, stole a base, and scored runs. I think she was involved in every single run scored, actually, in the five-run win in the semifinal against Australia. So she had success, but then just making it to that gold medal game rematch with Japan also, but this time, again, with family and friends there, to be able to witness it. It, it just, not that it's the exact same as the Olympics. I don't know if anything truly, truly compares to that kind of stage, but it was a little bit of that experience that she was able to finally share along with her teammates. And you obviously saw a lot of McClenny jerseys in the stands in Birmingham. And I'm happy for all the USA players, actually, being able to have family and friends there as the host country for the World Games. It's just extra special when it's the state that you were born and raised in and you went to college to. So on the pro side, really fun to watch as well. WPF is continuing its season Smash It Sports Vipers and USSA Pride are going at it still, and there have been a lot of great softball games, but I think one exciting moment I wanted to call out that we've been waiting for is that Jocelyn Allo hit her first home run with the Vipers. It's not a surprise. We just knew it was going to come, kind of like her breaking the record for college softball earlier this season. It happened in Evansville, Indiana at Bossy Field, and this is actually where a league of their own was shot, which is basically everyone, if you're a softball player or you like softball, it's basically your default favorite movie because it's just a classic. From my research, I actually saw that the only baseball fields that are older than Bossy Field in the U.S. are Wrigley and Fenway. That's pretty impressive. So this is truly, when we say historic, this is what we mean. Thousands of fans were there, which was awesome to see that kind of support. And I just feel like it was another poetic moment. We've talked about so many of those for her this year, breaking the home run record in her home state of Hawaii, hitting a home run in her last at-bat in Norman with OU. It just feels right that that kind of thing would translate to pro softball as well. And speaking of just translating to the big stage, the ESPYs. So I always love it when softball is a part of this conversation. Jocelyn Allo is the reason, one of the reasons at least, because she is nominated for Best College Athlete for Women's Sports. This is alongside, just for context, people like Aaliyah Boston from the national championship team that was South Carolina women's basketball this past season. They took the women's basketball world by storm. But in addition to that, OU as a team is nominated for Best Team. And this is the second year in a row, actually, that this has happened for Oklahoma softball. Seven teams total are nominated. So Oklahoma is actually one of two women's teams on that list. The Chicago Sky from the WNBA are also on that list. OU is also one of two college teams that made this list. Georgia football is also in the running for this award. Then in addition, in addition to that, it's really all pro-level male sports. So there's the NBA and the NFL represented, and they're actually my teams, I will say, the Warriors and the Rams, respectively. 
and then the MLB and the NHL with the Braves and the Avalanche. So that's what the slate looks like. To me, I think it's obvious who to vote for, especially because of just the pure dominance that we have seen, even more so this past season than back in 2021 with their first national championship in this back-to-back duo of years that they've had. So you can vote on ESPN.com. Actually retweeted the link on my own Twitter, but you can also see it. Believe in Softball did the same. So you can find it super easily and you can just go ahead and click through. The award ceremony is going to be on ABC on July 20th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So please watch it and tune in because I think there's an opportunity here for some greatness for softball, which we always love. And it wouldn't be the first time. Like just a quick reminder, some past softball ESPYs players that have been involved here. Odyssey Alexander and Rachel Garcia have been nominated for Best College Athlete in the past. We had winners like Kelly Barnhill from Florida, Taryn Moat from Arizona, and Kat Osterman as well, who's a friend of the show, as you all know. So to be able to add to that list would be fantastic and very well deserved. I think visibility like this is important. It's helpful to grow the sport and it's earned for these ladies and for our sport overall. Someone who is also important to our sport is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is the Nebraska softball head coach, 2022 Big Ten champion, NFCA Hall of Famer, and the winningest coach in Nebraska athletics history, male or female, Rhonda Ravel. Coach, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, I, I love getting this opportunity to, to chat with folks that maybe it's a little bit outside the season. I mean, I obviously love chatting to you all during the season, but maybe you get at least a little bit of to take a breath. Now that the 2022 season is over, which, by the way, congratulations on all the success. Thank you. It was a fun season. Good good group of players to work with and staff. Yeah, really fun to watch as well. And Thank you. Yes, and I, that's the thing is, as I was getting ready to have this conversation with you too, I'm thinking, you have been part of the Nebraska softball family for over 40 years. Like, first as a player, and then obviously 30 years as a coach. Does that hit you? Like, do you do you realize that? Or is it something where you're like, it's hard for you to really realize it in the moment? I think I'm a lot more aware of it than I was um, maybe 10 years ago. But it was our it was our then uh, media relations person, Matt Smith, that because Lori is in the same boat, Lori Sipple. And he said to us, do you realize at the time he said, do you realize that between playing and coaching at Nebraska, the two of you cover, I think at the time it was like 82 or 83% of all NCAA played games for softball at the University of Nebraska. I think that number is now up to nearly 90% of all games played at Nebraska that either Lori or I or both of us have been a part of. So yeah, that's not lost on me now because that's like, that's a big number. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's, Thank you. You know, all the changes, too, that obviously happened today more than ever, like to see that sort of longevity is really impressive. And Thank you. I would just ask you then, why? You know, why have you dedicated so much of your life to Nebraska? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. And I've actually thought about that a little bit lately because you see people changing jobs or changing careers and just wanting something new or something fresh and all of, all for good reason. And I just feel like um, every year, like you talked about, like right now we're in a little bit of an exhale where we're geared up with recruiting, but we're in a little bit of an exhale from the past season. 
But I know as the month draws near and it goes into August and we start school at the end of August, it's like a recharge for something new. And, and I, I guess coaching is coaching, but I never look at any two years similarly. So it seems like a fresh start all the time. And um, the passion's just still there. And people have asked, well, Rhonda, how long are you going to coach? And I said, you know what? And tell you don't love it anymore. I mean, that's the only thing I can say is that, you know, you want to work to keep growing. That's very important no matter what age you are, what career you're in. Um, You want to work to keep evolving with the times. But you also want to continue to hold true to the bedrock of who you are and what you think and hope has helped you be successful for a long-term career uh, and longevity in a profession. How do you balance that? How do you balance that like consistency to yourself and your staff and Lori as well with evolving with the times? It's just, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, but we do hard things. And, uh, you know, I just, I think I just tweeted yesterday, uh, jumping into what Kara Lawson was talking about, which she's, you know, does such a great job of getting messages out there, but choose your heart, right? I think, I think anytime you want to be good at anything and, if trying to balance that is what you want to be good at, one of the things you want to be good at, you have to just be really intentional about it and also very diligent. And I'm a person that likes to think that in order to be successful at being intentional and being diligent, I have to work from the inside out. Other people may work in different ways, but for me, I have to work from the inside out and, you know, know that I'm in a good proper balance internally. And then there are things I need to do, whether it's, exercise or my morning podcast that gives me a dose of my, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's my faith walk, uh, you know, whatever it might be. I've got, I've always got a book or two going that just fuels my brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Obviously we like podcasts here too. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I agree that's with you. Right. Audiobooks too are also just a great sort of outlet for us. Audio. And you know what? Speaking of outlets, sometimes you just need a good Netflix binge, right? You just need to let your brain rest and you take it all in. A hundred percent. I've had a little bit of time off this week around the 4th of July holiday. And I've done that more than I think I planned to, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I'm in the middle of one right now. Full disclosure. I'm in the middle of one right now. What are you binging? Uh, The Anatomy of a Skin. (gasps) I just watched that recently. So good. Really, good. I haven't finished. Don't tell me how it ends. I won't. No spoilers here, but like it was definitely a really interesting watch. Really good job by all the actors. I'm excited for you to to finish it. It's good. I'm through. I'm through episode six. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So you're close. All right. Yeah, I'm close. Okay. Maybe when you're done, let me know what you think. <laughs> okay. You got it. But I think you're right, though. That's important. Like to have the different outlets because we can get so easily. We love softball right? So we can get so easily just wrapped in it and kind of make it part of every aspect of our lives. But sometimes maybe it is good to step away from it for a minute. And that kind of gives us that breath that you're talking about. So I think that's a, a good thing to call out. And I'm always very impressed by people who are able to sort of reinvent themselves in the same place, because I think that takes an extra skill set to be able to do that, you know, cause it, when you go somewhere new, well, everything's new, right? So it's a little bit easier to, to push yourself and, and kind of get out of your comfort zone, but to do it in the same place that takes that internal drive. So I'm very impressed by you and your staff for that. Well, thank you. And you know, when I listen to you say it that way, um, 
which you said really well. I, I think I think you might be right. It's the reinventing of yourself. I haven't really thought about it that way, but I have thought about you need to keep yourself relevant in the space that you're in. And that's kind of the same thing you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I would say that things came to fruition really well for you guys in 2022. And not that our listeners don't already know, but just so they're reminded, Big Ten regular season and tournament champions, regional coaching staff of the year. You had the incredible win streak, biggest comeback in school history. Like so many things went right in 2022. What do you think led to that? Well, first of all, I have to stand corrected. I'm going to have my good friend, Kate Drohan. We were second place in regular okay. season, and then we were the conference tournament champion. So, <laughs> so, Kate, if you're listening, I just, I corrected that. Yes. But yes, you know what? A, a lot of things really did go right, but it really started with our, started, finished and began and ended with our, our players' um, attitude and just how they leaned into what they wanted to achieve this year. And we had had a few rocky years and, they understood that, and some of them had been a part of some of those rocky years, and some of them were with coming with fresh eyes, and everything was new. And and uh, but they really went about working with our sports psychologists and setting the culture and the standards that they wanted to live by every single day. And because it was their words and their ideas, it's a lot easier to follow when it's yours, right? When it's not just descended upon you like you have to act this way. Um, so I think that it was. It was much easier to get buy-in because it was the it was their thoughts, their feelings, their vision, and really what the coaches were doing was trying to guide them in living out their vision. Right, right. Yeah. Which, how difficult is that as a coach to kind of give the players some of that responsibility and control and just kind of be their shepherd? Like you're having to sort of take that step back. Yeah. You know, you've, you've heard the term, the art of coaching and the science of coaching. And I think the sweet spot is in the middle. Um, but I think a lot of, when I, when I think about coaches that I have a lot of respect for and that I admire, it's, it's the intangible stuff that they do. And I think it's more leaning toward the art of coaching, like understanding their players, understanding what makes them tick. At the end of the day, we're in the people business, we're in the relationship business, and they become masters at knowing how to be and and become with their team. And then also giving people the freedom and pe people want their own authenticity. Mm -hmm. But yet, but I think what a coach does in the guidance part is they help keep the they help keep the fence around the team concept and then they let people move within the fenced in yard because it's just like somebody said to me, you know, uh, I had a player from another team talking to me about, you know, what I thought were some good things as a leader on a team would be. And I said, well, tell me something that, that you maybe think your team could do better. And so the example was, well, when we're in the weight room and our coaches aren't there, we don't always buy into always wearing the same thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what about if you came to a game and all of you were in different uniforms, would that fly? And, she, and like it hit her, <laughs> like she said, okay, I've never thought about it that way. And my point to her was when you're in the weight room training to get better as a team, you're still on team time. Obviously, on game day, when you're in your uniform, you're on team time. 
So understanding when there's the non-negotiable of team, team time, but then also understanding when a coach can step back and let the players have a little bit more autonomy, right? But probably not in the weight room with what they're wearing. <laughs> right. Like we'll pick and choose where that, right. where that can right. be. Yeah. Right. It's funny you say that because I'm trying to think back to my playing days. We definitely always wore the same thing at practice, you know, every single day. Weight room, I think we didn't wear the exact same thing, but it all had to be like team issued stuff. So everyone, it was right. almost identical, even if it wasn't the exact same shade, let's say, but right. yeah. Right. And, and you know, for us, like it might not be the exact same shirt, but it's the same color shirt that's team issue. Right. Cause they have, you have a bazillion of them by your soft, by your senior year, right? Oh my gosh. We used to call it Nike Christmas. Like when we would get, yeah. <laughs> we would yeah. get the, the whole, like all the shoes, everything. I still have shoes. I don't think I've worn and it's been like 10 years. So I should check in on those. Imagine after 30, like I keep some shoes and now they're back in style. Yeah, there you go. See, that's how, that's the strategy right there. I know. I I wear some sweatshirts that are literally almost 30 years old. And some of the players will go, oh my gosh, coach, where'd you get that? So cool. (laughs) You're like, it's vintage. Not a big deal. Yeah, vintage, (laughs) retro. (laughs) That's amazing. Is your entire wardrobe just like red and white at this point? If you walk into my closet, you're going to see red, white, black, gray. I mean, it's all on one side. And then my non-coaching clothes are usually all blue and green because those are my favorite non-competitive colors. Well, I was going to ask you that because it's like, okay, we wear a lot of the same color, right? So maybe you do want to mix it up like when you're not actually in your softball gear. So you can, yeah, that's good. I think that's healthy. (laughs) All shades of blue and green. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think I was similar, actually, like with all the Cardinal Red stuff for Stanford. And then even after like I graduated, I was like, I guess I can wear a little bit more blue and green. You know, (laughs) like we can go on the other side of the color wheel here. It's okay. Uh (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, That's so funny. But kind of we veered off a little here and that, that was mainly me. But I just thought that something that summarized what you're talking about in terms of like giving the player's responsibility and credit. I mean, you only get credit when you take on the responsibility, right? But something that I felt like summarized it really well is I saw kind of your post-game speech or conversation with them after regionals and you told them like that this group left it better than they found it and they even set it back upright in terms of the program and everything that you guys want to do. And I thought that that was such a cool moment obviously for the players but even the fact that us fans got to witness that because it felt like the right sort of culmination to your journey this past season Mm -hmm. well I think if you see it and feel it you need to say it and one of my mentors the late Dr. Barbara Hibner used to always say Rhonda you need to know that 20% of the people walking on the earth give 80% of the feedback Mm. make sure you're one of the 20%. So I'm not perfect at it. And I, I fail my fair amount of the time, but I just, I really try to have big eyes for recognizing people's efforts, people's intentions, people's actions. And like I said earlier, this group, so many of them had so many deposits and so many investments into this team and this culture. And as you noted and what I said, I said, we're in a healthy place. Yep. And it's because of them, because of who they were every day from day one. Right. From the inside out. 
And, you know, you, you not only want to give credit where credit's due, but you also want to nurture that and continue to water and grow it because, you know, we'll go on to next year and let's keep it going and growing. Right. How important is that in terms of as a coach, you know, obviously you give feedback to players with any kind of adjustments that need to be made, whether that's, you know, physical, mechanical, or just about some of these sort of intangibles, the team values, et cetera, but also giving that positive feedback, like, Hey, yeah, keep doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, Jenna, I don't know if this is right, wrong, somewhere in between, if I'm on the right track, you talk about evolving and continuing to grow as a coach, but I almost think the longer I go in this coaching, I think it's, yes, players need um, coaching of the sport and the skill, but I think they need more the relationship Mm. Um, and the knowing, trying to know who we are as people. And I'm not saying that we sit down and we, you know, are giving all these heart to heart talks all the time, but just that consistency that you take time with people, you look them in the eye, you, you know, maybe pat them on the back, you ask them how they're doing and you really mean it and you're waiting for their answer and you're really an active listener. Uh, I, I think all that stuff, all, all of those things when done in a sincere way, make anyone, I don't care if it's an athlete or an employee or anybody, a family member, it makes them a more, I think it opens them up to receive information and it opens someone up and motivates them to be, to want to give more. And then I think that builds into the team and I'm, I'm so big and this is maybe where I'm old fashioned and old school and I'm going to just admit it. And I don't want to ever change because In my life, the experiencing of a team really being a team is so magical that it really, when you feel it, and we've all been on all sides of it, but when you feel it being a selfless, team-oriented team, it's addicting. And I haven't found one person yet that can deny that. And so when you feel that, you just want to keep feeling that. So you keep chasing that. I, I chase that feeling more than I chase any trophy. Yeah. But guess what? Everybody on the team has to add to that because it doesn't take, it takes barely anything to upset that, that balance. Yeah. Well, I th- Sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent. No, there. no, no, no. I think it's, it's super important. And I think you just said it, like you chase that more than any trophy, but for that to work, really everybody has to do that, right? Like all the players, the whole staff, everybody has to feel that for it to truly work. Yes. And I think your leadership from your coaches on down through have to be really aware that that's the goal. Yeah. And then every team I've ever been on, whether I've been a player or coach that has achieved that, it seems like there's been a lot of winning. It's just been like a little side dish of, chasing the other. And, and I I mean, I I have yet to experience a team just fall on their face with relationship to the scoreboard when they're doing all that other stuff to be a team. Right. It's so true. Like, see, when we say it this way, it's like, it feels simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. 
You know, it's like easy, simple to understand, but not easy to execute. Well said. Really well said. Yeah. But I think it's important. Obviously, like you said, you have to give a lot of that autonomy to the players. But, you know, the coaching staff and the leadership still really sets the tone for what that looks like. And one of your TV interviews that you did this season really stuck out to me. because Is it shocking me? Maybe a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's part of my job, right? Stalking. Oh, that's right. my list of skills. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, but you did a really awesome TV interview where one of your players and you you told the story how her dad had passed away in the fall and it was his birthday and you guys were playing and she had told the team I'm playing for my dad and then she hits a grand slam. And the part that I thought was so cool other than how great that story is is that you chose to highlight that in that moment that you had talking to the broadcast team versus like trying to talk about X and O's, right, of the game. That I think, to your point, you know, that's more of the relationship stuff than it is just the softball field. Well, can I just go here? Yes, of course. I I really uh, felt like that was a God moment. And uh, because she hit that grand slam in the bottom of the third and the interview was coming up in the top of the fourth. It wasn't in the second game. It wasn't in the first inning. It wasn't in the fifth inning. And I, there wasn't anything else I could have talked about. Yeah. Right. There was just nothing else. In fact, when they were still at commercial, I said, can I just take this? And they're like, what do you got, coach? I said, I just need you to let me take this. Like it could, and it wasn't even me talking at that point. It was just, this has to get out because, because I really believe that our world needs hope. And anytime you can be a messenger of any sliver of hope for one second, then you need to do it. And that's not, Rhonda Ravel didn't do that. You know, I, I just, I just tried to be the vessel. I just like, I didn't want to block it. Yeah. I didn't want to put a barrier. It just needed to get out. And so, you know, I, I was told by our media people that it had under, over a million views. And I'm just hoping that at least one person had a flicker of hope through that moment. I, I think it's safe to say more than one person. I mentioned it on the show at the time because you know, I mean, and this is just me off to the side, separate from a lot of what's going on in terms of the players. But even for me, I was like, you know, I'm tired. It's the middle of the season. You know, we're all grinding it out in whatever way we are connected to the game during the season. And it it was energizing. Right. And I think that went viral for a reason. Right. That went viral. Not the I don't know if people remember the score of the game at the end. That's what went viral, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. you're right, because that's what people truly you know, attached to and what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that was the super, super special. Um, and I thought it was, like I said, just really cool that that's the way you chose to handle that. I know you said it was, you felt like it was bigger than you and it wasn't even you doing it, but I still think that's um, just a good example really for, and even for like younger coaches as well, you know, just for people to see that. Thank you. But, you know, we talked about how you've been with Nebraska for so long. Congratulations also on your contract extension. So it's going to be even longer 
that the Huskers get you, which is really, really exciting. So I asked you before, you know, like, why have you dedicated so much of your life to this program? But what made you want to keep doing so for the next few years? Mm -hmm. Well, I've never wanted to be anywhere else. And when I got this job uh, in 1992, it was my dream job. And I still feel like I'm living the dream. Mm. And, you know, not without challenges, but like we said, we do hard things, right? Yeah. Um, and I just think, I don't know, I could just never really see myself anywhere else. It's my alma mater. Um, just all the the players, and you know, I've been fortunate to coach with Lori Simple for 30 years, now Diane Miller for 15 of the 30. I mean, it was, I think I was in year 20 before I even had a different secretary. <laughs> and so there's just been a lot of continuity, and it's like, building a family yeah. and, you know, and building relationships. And I just felt like we've built, built a lot of really good relationships and then I'm pretty active in the community. I feel like I have a, you know, a community uh, around me like tonight and I'm going, I'm going on a bicycle ride with my biking group and <laughs> we've got a nice little biking community. And that, that all adds to who I am and how I feel. And, you know, I, I think that, there are several things that motivate people, like we've talked about earlier, whether it's a career change or, you know, a salary bump or whatever it might be, and all of it's good. But for me, I've been I've been more motivated on trying to build something really special and it's sustainable, um, and to continue to grow it and to sink the root, roots deeper in the relationships all the way around it. I think it's incredibly special when an alum leads their alma mater. Because the, to your point, you just mentioned some of it. There's just nothing like it. Like no matter what you do, where you go, if it's anywhere else, it's not going to be the same. Period. <laughs> you know? And so I, I just, I love seeing that. Um, I mentioned to you before we, we jumped on how I cover um, all the teams on Pac-12 Network. That's something we talk about a lot because there are a lot of alums in th that conference that also are leading their alma maters. But I see such great leadership in the Big Ten, and even relationships between, you're talking about how amazing the relationships are at Nebraska, but your relationship with like Coach Hutch, and you mentioned Kate Drohan earlier, and you still keep in touch with Jessica Allister from her time at Minnesota, right? Like those relationships seem really important. And I just mentioned a lot of really strong women as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that Big Ten softball dynamic? Well, I'll, I'll go Big Ten and then even broader than that. I think, first of all, you know, it's it's really our responsibility to be supportive of one another. We're all doing the same thing, and it's a hard thing. And, and not everybody can understand the role of coaches and just the ebb and flow of, of what they go through. So we all we all need somebody. And, and in some cases, it's a couple somebodies that we just feel like we can be really vulnerable with. Um, where when really honest with, you know, I'm reading a book right now called The Tough Stuff. It's a mm -hmm. quick little read, folks. It's a quick little read. And it's really about the things that coaches don't talk about very much because it's the stuff deep, deep inside them that they might think they're the only one that thinks that way. And it's, it's been really um, it, it, revealing, I should say. In fact, I'm, I've recommended it to several coaches, but to have those connections and to feel like you have that support, it's wonderful during the 
good times and the bright times and the shiny, sunny times to have people celebrate with you and for you. But during the dark times, oh my gosh, sometimes it's your life support. Yeah. It really is your life support system. Um, and, you know, I've had some of those times. And I think about those three names that you just named. Oh my, I mean, they were constantly on the red phone with me. I mean, they didn't let a day go by when I was going through my most challenging time where they weren't reaching out and connecting. And for any of them, I would, you know, take a bullet, right? Because that just means so much because everybody's busy. We're all busy. But the fact that you can get on the field and between the white lines and compete like the, just go all out and try to win and then it's over and it's not personal. That was business. And now you go back to trying to help each other grow professionally and, and it, and help each other through just all kinds of things. Um, it's really, you know, it's priceless, honestly. hundred percent. Do you feel like sometimes I think, I don't know if I'm just biased, but sometimes I think that that is, very even more true in women's sports and I would even say it feels that way in softball again I don't know if I'm biased but would you agree with that well I've had my basketball coach friends say it is true okay so and they're only judging based on when we share conversations that we've had with our colleagues they're like you talk about that you share that (laughs) yeah and they're like we don't do that (laughs) And then I've even had I've even had a couple basketball coaches go, you know, I'm kind of envious. And so then I'll tease them. I'm like, well, really at heart, you're a softball coach, you know, but it's it. I don't know. I just think I think softball by and large, you think about the players that play it. We're kind of social creatures. I mean, we do cheers. You know, you don't see all that and all that in many other sports. And I was talking to a multi-sport athlete that is trying to decide, you know, playing soccer, softball, and baseball, but probably trying to decide between softball and not baseball, basketball, excuse me, trying to decide between softball and basketball for college because this individual's not in college yet. And she said, well, I really like, I really like how the team spirit of a softball team is like, that's my favorite. And I'm like, is it the cheer? She goes, well, that's a part of it, but you know, it, it, kind of builds into all that that connection that we're talking about. Yes. I feel like that is a big reason why people, especially new fans, get into softball. Is Like you said, mm-hmm. the cheers are like a nice sort of maybe cherry on top because it's entertaining for them or whatever. But you can yeah. feel, it's the energy, I think, and yeah. you can just feel that. Yes. And, and that was one of the things about our season as we got going and you could tell you know, some things were bubbling and they were pretty positive. And that's one of the things that our team talked about a lot because our fans were really enjoying watching us play. And they were telling us so in a variety of methods. And I said, I don't know if it's as much about what's happening on the scoreboard as what they're seeing happen in the dugout, what they're seeing happen when you guys are connecting, they see joy. And I went back and I said this early in the podcast, we're all looking for something to pump something positive in you know, whether it's hope or joy, you know, just that moment to have that. And so I said, just continue to be with each other the way you truly feel. And it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's kind of trying to take the pressure off of, it's not all about the scoreboard. Yeah. And, and I think, I think there's really something to that, you know? Yeah. It's contagious. You see somebody joyful and 
playing playing a game versus working a game mm. with passion and love for the people around them, and you can see that in action, it, you want to lean into that, even if you don't know the people personally. Yep. I think that's especially evident, obviously, more even more exposure and TV time, et cetera, but everything kind of all comes to fruition in postseason. I think that's why people love postseason so much is because there is so much joy. Like some of the energy that you see at the Women's College World Series, it like radiates through the TV, you know, and that is the piece of it. Not just the upsets, not just that other stuff, but that joy that you're talking about. And let's face it, by the time you get to postseason, you've already had a really good season. You've already had a lot of opportunities to build your team chemistry and embrace roles and, and really get into a good system of who you are and what your identity is as a team. So now the fans, especially the new fans like you talk about, they're getting to see a pretty refined product by that point, not just in play, but in conduct. True. Yep, that's very, very true. And actually, speaking of postseason this year, it was just a good showing in general from the Big Ten. You know, most teams to make the tournament ever. Northwestern obviously went to the World Series, but probably one of the best Super Regionals we've ever seen that they participated ever. in, right? Easily. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and that's another thing I told Kate. I'm like, Kate, you're on the West Coast, you guys are playing so late. You know, I go to bed early, but I stayed up and watched those things. How, it's that talk about addicting, right? <laughs> like, yeah. wow, like easily one of one of the best we've ever seen. And then obviously, yeah. yeah, you have people like Hutch, Kate, yourself, Lori, who have just been these pillars of the conference. To me, I think the Big Ten has been underrated in terms of softball in recent years, at least. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, do you agree with that? We, we agree. We agree <laughs> yeah. with you. We do. We do. Even the year that we could only play conference only. Yeah. We knew, and we only got three teams in because, it, I mean, you know, the RPI was just all messed, turned upside down because of that. We felt that year, it's like, okay, well, we're going to just have to prove it next year. And then the next year we got the most teams ever in. And it was like, we're better. I mean, everybody, we felt like every team had a pitcher that could keep them in any game or win them in any game. And so, you know, when you have that in the circle, you've got a chance. Oh yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I know we, <laughs> the media covers SEC, right. And all these conferences fine, but I just felt like the, the big 10 was, I don't know. We need to put more respect on big 10 softball, in my opinion. <laughs> You go, girl. You go, girl. <laughs> but, you know, obviously the latest news that has come out is that UCLA is going to the Big Ten, which we talk about all the, the history in softball that you guys have in the Big Ten. Then you got UCLA coming in to just add even more to it. What are your what's your knee jerk reaction to that? Well, my very first reaction. So. Kelly I was not very far from me when the news broke because we were out in Colorado recruiting and I felt this tap on my shoulder. I looked back and here's Kelly I and she just looked at me like, what just happened? <laughs> and I just, I couldn't help myself, Jenna. I, I couldn't help myself. I said, maybe now we can get the season moved back. <sighs> I wanted to ask you about that. That is a great point. <laughs> That's a great and she point. Said, she said right in step, because, you know, Jackie Joseph just retired. She said, you know, that's been Jackie's initiative for 
so long we can call it the Jackie Joseph rule. <laughs> so I, I, at that point in time, text Jackie and she's all about it. And Kelly, I gets on the phone with Hutch. And so I, I, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it makes, you know, here's the thing that I can tell you about the big 10. When we have a decent day, our, our stands are packed. Oh yeah. And, and the best way from a business model, I, I don't know that we're going to be able to generate revenue because I don't know if we have enough seats, but at least be a little more revenue neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and the same with our baseball team. We've got a baseball stadium over here that you can easily set 5,000 fans and they'll pack it on days where the, the weather's decent. So if we even move that season back, I don't know, two, three weeks and you're playing just a little deeper into the summer, who knows? You know, I will say for schools who are on the quarter system, mm-hmm. also not a bad thing. So you look at UCLA for example, right. on the quarter system, right. the World Series is usually finals week for them. I know. So, I mean, other, not only are they traveling to play in the Midwest, play you guys as well, that could benefit them too if you can just play softball during the World Series. Like, that's a big deal. So I know. I know. There's so many other things going on in college athletics. I don't know if that's on the first you know, to-do list, but it, who knows? It might pop up there as an add-on. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. I'm just going to put it out there in the universe. No, it's super interesting because the more and more that I talk to folks who are further and further east who deal with well, real weather, right? Because I'm a soft Californian. Um, it, it's it's a it makes a difference because then you're on the road for what, like two months straight in the beginning of the season. Oh yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's a big difference. So that that's super yeah. interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear that you, I mean, I feel like softball sort of coast to coast, there's a lot of relationships there. It's obviously not just based on the conference you're in, but to, to hear that there's already a bit of camaraderie and stuff there with Kelly, um, is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I, I, the next day I saw her and Hutch, you know, they were not watching a game at this moment. They were just talking and I came over and of course, you know, it's just a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And and I said, Kelly, now, what do you think about our real feel rule? And she says, what's a real feel rule? And I said, well, I just giggled. And I said, we'll let you figure that out. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. To I saw some tweets that were pretty funny where it's like, I mean, UCLA wears parkas when it's below 70 degrees. So what are they going to wear you know, when they yeah, start going to the Big exactly. Ten? Exactly. Yep. It'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I think it will be cool for you guys to also, you know, whatever schedule sets this up, but to come out to Easton State too. I think that'll be a yeah. cool experience. Yeah, I, th- I think there, there are going to be a lot of really interesting conversations coming up in the next year or two as we transition into a, a bigger Big Ten. Right. Well, and thoughts on, it's wild. Most people don't realize that USC doesn't have a softball program, which is crazy. They could field a team so easily. Makes no sense. Right. But wouldn't that be amazing mm-hmm. if that happened sort of as this is going on yeah. with the conference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that would be, that would be awesome. Well, I'm kind of with you. I know we were talking about this a little bit before too, where it's like I, anything could happen at this point. We're both kind of just sitting back with our popcorn. You said you're sort of surfing, just riding the wave. That's, that's where we'll be as this stuff shakes out. That's right. Whether, whether we have uh Another team added, two more teams added, four more teams added, you know. 
Well, whatever. We'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> but that actually brings me to, I feel like there are so many other moving parts to happening in the game. It's the transfer portal, the, the coaching carousel, not yourself, obviously, but like others moving around a lot, these conference realignments, so many things are moving. So how does that affect when you go out recruiting and it's recruiting season right now? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the best thing we can do right now is just try to remain calm and try to be where our feet are and deal with what is right now. And what I know right now is what Nebraska has to offer as an institution academically, uh, you know, softball wise as our community, as a college town. And so I just really try to lean in and, and make sure that I'm communicating the information that is factual, just the facts. Mm. And, and then even the things that we don't know, the moving parts to with which you speak, you know, just stating that factually too, there's a lot of things that are up in the air Yeah, and they're up in the air for everybody. And so sometimes when you just normalize that, you don't, there's some uncertainty, it almost diminishes it because we're all dealing with that. And so I think the, the more calm we can stay, the more factual we can stay, um, the more you can continue to share your vision with prospects and their family. And then if you have the opportunity to get them on campus, show them what is and what has been. And that if something changes, we'll adapt and adjust just like we have any other time something's changed. Right, right. That's really key. And, and it's to your point, it's like just being open and honest, really. I, that's the <laughs> the foundation of what you just said, because there's nothing worse. And this, this is in any environment could be at work, could be just a friend, doesn't matter when somebody doesn't know an answer to something and like make something up and doesn't want to admit that they don't know the answer versus just saying, I don't know, either I'll look into it. Or when I do know, when we do have information, I'll tell you, you know, like everyone always appreciates that more. And that's just a general rule. Right. Yes. So true. Yeah. So I think that's good. We we went through that a lot um, when we were doing all of our COVID protocols, right? Mm -hmm. People always want information. And nine times out of 10, I didn't have any additional information. Right. But yet people wanted, it it just helped them hear it a few extra times. Right. (laughs) Almost be like, feel better because like, oh, you don't know either. Okay. Because I I don't know. I'm uncertain, but so are you. So that makes me feel better. Like, I know they're talking about it. I know they're working on it right now. We don't know. And, you know, I'll keep you updated every other day. Yeah. Even if I don't have anything new. Right. Right. Yeah. Just those little things like Mm -hmm. that. Because things change so fast today. But in, in some ways, it took a while for things to change in terms of the history of our game, too. And it's wild that it's been 50 years since Title IX. 40 years with NCAA softball. And I cannot believe in the best way possible that you actually competed in the first World Series in 1982. That is incredible. See, you're stalking again. Of course. I do my homework. You say stalking, I'm going to spin it to doing homework. (laughs) I'm I'm teasing you in the most complimentary way. Yes. How about that? And and it was in Omaha, Nebraska. Incredible. So we just had to go up the road 50 miles to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it was great. Um, it was at a complex, Seymour Smith complex. I mean, just 
night and day. It, it, the, the only thing that's similar is that it was called the College World Series, and you had a bunch of young women softball players that were given their all. Yeah. But after that, we didn't wear helmets. The ball was white. We pitched from 40 feet. On, on, on we go. Well, that's a good point. Just the passion and women wanting to play has been consistent. A lot of other things have changed, but that has been consistent. What else do you feel has actually stayed the same in our game? Um, Well, I I think really it's what I said, just that, that competitive fire. So athletes might be bigger, faster, stronger now, but the competitive fire is still the competitive fire. Yeah. And, and, you know, there might be like, I don't, I'm trying to even remember then if we were really, I remember when I first got a scholarship, I'm like, wow, this is a thing. (laughs) So, you know, there's an awareness that this is a thing now, or a lot of things that this is a thing, but I think it just, it goes back to the fun. If, if everybody can state, no matter where they're playing today or they're playing 40 years ago, why? Know your why. Yeah. I think our whys are really, really similar. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah. And I think the people that were fans of the game then, they had the same passion towards the game as the fans now. It's just the exposure has been so incredible that our fan base is so much wider. Like our bandwidth of the demographic of the fans is so much wider. Right. Oh, 100%. I, mm-hmm. what you just said, I think just clicked with me in terms of that why being the same. It's almost like it's the same path. It's just further along down the path now, That's but right. it's still the same direction, you know, still the same thing that we dreamed of before. Yes. And we still yeah. have bigger dreams. This, the same pregame jitters, the same can't sleep before the night, the, the same feeling of victory, the same feeling when you lose I mean, I remember when we lost out, I didn't want to talk to anybody for two days, you know, and then going through that, I don't know what you want to call it at the end of the season where everything just, nothing feels good, right? You've just kind of got to flush it all. I don't care whether you're playing or coaching and it could end even well. Like Lori Sipple talked about when she played women's major and they won national championships and how, when it was all said and done and you did all your final hugs and got home, it was still there was some emptiness about it because you're not with that team and that family anymore. We all go through it. And I think, I think even normalizing that, you know, understanding the end of anything, especially if it's been good, it's, it's a transition that is painful. Yeah. Yeah. It's that like, you're right. And even that transition, like just from when you're done playing into real life too, it's the same thing. It's like, well, this has been good for most of my life. Now what am I doing? (laughs) You know, like any, you're right. Anything good that ends, like there, there are still some challenges, even though it was a good thing in your life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. But I think there's always this interesting dynamic too, when we talk about things like title nine and kind of take a look back at how far we've come, which is this level of gratitude for all that has happened but also still a desire to keep pushing for more, obviously. Yeah. How do you balance those two things? Yeah. I've been asked that question a few times, and I think it was maybe one of the last times I was asked, it, I, heard, I heard myself differently. And let's just take Rhonda and Hutch, mm-hmm. okay? 
really good friends, our strengths are different. Like if you put us both together, I'm really heavy. And not that she's not, I'm really heavy in the gratitude. So I probably could be your head coach of let's be grateful for where we are mm. and where we've come. Okay. And she's willing to go out front and, you know, just say it like it is. And we need both. Right. Yeah. And it's not that I can't do that. It's not that we couldn't cross over, but that's in her lane. It's in her wheelhouse. She's really great at it. And every time she does it, I'm like right behind her going, you go Hutch. <laughs> but yet I'm going, oh, I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yet she's continuing to push. And so I'm taking someone in the same generation and we're both trying to do that. I think at every generation, it has to happen because people in your generation, Jenna, you guys, you all can say even different things because you don't have a history of, you know, like for us, when we, you know, I didn't know anything that I couldn't have the baseball cages. Mm. See, they were called baseball cages. I didn't even know that it was a thing that softball could share in those baseball cages when I first started being the softball coach. Right Now that's unthinkable. You should have your own cages. Yeah. And so you all can take it where we have left off and keep moving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keep moving with the gratitude, but also keep moving with the, we've got more to do. Yeah. Yeah. I almost think a good way to show gratitude is to take on what the last generation did and keep it going, right? To then give it to the next generation. That's actually a way to express that gratitude in a way. That's a great point. Yeah. You need to you need to um, talk about that more. Yeah. As you move yeah. on. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I, I It only clicked because of what you just said just now. And the baseball cages are a great example, actually, because you just said, didn't even know that was an option. For us, that was the thing is like, oh, we had to go use the baseball cages. Now they have their own and it's really nice and, you know, they, they have the facilities, but you're right. It's like that progress. And as long as we see that progress from generation to generation, I think that's a good thing, something for us to hold on to. But mm -hmm. you just said it too. You have your strengths. Hutch has her strengths. Other people have their strengths. That's why it's sort of like a team. Like we're all a team, just like a team does. You know, everyone has their own strengths. We're yes. all working towards that same goal. So you just, a lot of things you just told me just clicked some new ideas in my head. So thank you for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think the key is that we're all trying to do our part. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. Well, mm -hmm. before I jump into sort of our little wrap up, is there anything else that you just want to say about either could be Nebraska, could be college softball, could be the game in general, women's sports, anything you want? Hmm. I think we covered a lot of ground today. We did. <laughs> right? Uh, I still think it's a great game, you know, and I think that, uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, here's what I would say after being out recruiting for the better part of the last three weeks and just watching and um, a lot of young people playing, I would always encourage, and I always try to say this at camp too, that to make your journey in the game or whatever you do, your own. And to know that when you're doing it, you're doing it for you. It's your passion. It's not trying to live somebody else's passion. And I think for young people, there comes a time where they recognize that, that they need to live their passion. And maybe they are, or they might realize they're doing it for the grandparent or a parent or a friend or somebody else. 
But every time you're doing something because it's in you, it's in your heart, uh, it's always going to be so worth it. And every time you're not, there's going to be a lot of heartache. And so I think, you know, you see the joy in people when they're playing a sport, when they're playing because it's in them. And I just would keep encouraging people to, whether they're a parent, you know, I, I think one of the greatest gifts I've seen a parent, and this was a parent that was a coach, gave their daughter permission to quit the sport. Wow. And it was a beautiful thing. There were a lot of tears. There was no guilt. There was empowerment. There was, I'm proud of you for living your life. And I just think that he recognized in that moment that she was trying to live his dream mm. and not live hers. And that then it was his turn to go back and basically say, I want you to follow your dream. And my dream is for you to actually live your dream. Right. Right. And I think that we all have a responsibility with young people to help them be their own best authentic self, whether that that's being in the game or getting out of the game. Yeah. That's a really powerful point. I think a great place for us to say, I don't know how I follow that actually, <laughs> but we'll try. We'll try. So not that I want to wrap up and I, I say this often, but I mean it a little extra today too. I could keep talking to you all day long, but um, maybe we'll just have to have you on another time later down the road. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that. But just to, to wrap things up, I play a little bit of a game with everyone who comes on the show. Super straightforward, but it's called Safer Out. And basically, I'll bring something up. And if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. And if you don't, you call it out. Okay. Okay. Simple enough, hopefully. <laughs> so the first one is NIL, name image likeness, Safer Out. Video review. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Has anybody done that to you yet? Recently, yes. Oh, darn it. Darn it. But you did it probably as seamlessly as I've seen. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mostly safe. Yeah. There we go. Mostly safe. Mostly safe. Just Is it just yeah. like there's a pros and cons like anything else with it? I just think that... Um, I think we need to take, we need to live through it a little longer and take a 360 view because I think with anything, um, when it looks, something looks really positive as you live through it, you see the unintended consequences that could also be negative. Right. And there could be a plethora of those. I just don't think we know them yet. Yeah. 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 Right? No, we have to learn. <laughs> We're still yeah. in the learning phase for sure. And I think we need some more structure because I think when it rolled out, there was little structure. And then as we go and as people get creative, like everybody's going to get, and there's no structure, then it just takes on all sorts of its own life form. Right. Structure. Which doesn't have to be bad. It can be really positive. But I just think that, you know, we have to, we have to live through it a little longer. Yeah structure, education, but we also have to know what we're talking about if we want to educate people on it, which goes back to the learning, like you said. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Makes sense. That was the first one. Second one is bat flips. Safer out. Out. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I, I feel like 
a lot of people say out, especially pitchers. They pretty much always, I don't know if I've had a pitcher say. I was a pitcher, by the way. Yes, like exactly. So I knew that because I stalked you clearly. So... (laughs) Right, right, right. See, now you're using the term stalking. Yeah, I'm just trying to steer into it at this point. (laughs) No, but I mean, it makes sense because I feel like I don't like even the pitchers who were like two way players, like um, I asked Rachel Garcia, I think, and like some others, I think even they were like still kind of out on that one. I think for me, I'm and I'm not saying that you can't be filled with humility and bat flip. I'm not trying to make I don't want to be that person. But to me, humility is such a big thing on my list yeah. that I, I don't necessarily correlate that action with humility mm-hmm. and respect for your opponent. So those two things for me are so big on my list that I don't know. Yeah. Well, actually, this you're kind of hitting on something. It's like you, you said you sort of lead with gratitude. Like that's your style as a coach. I feel like if you're leading with gratitude in the moment, I don't know if you're thinking about flipping a bat usually, to be fair, you know, Um, I could see some people like, like you said, it's not that you aren't grateful if you do bat flip, Uh, that might just, you might just be super excited or whatever it is. But, um, but if the first thing you're thinking about is that I I could see what you mean. I don't know if that's your action you take. Yeah, I certainly don't want to judge because I don't, I don't personally know a bat flipper. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I really don't want to judge, but, um, I just know what I value. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fair enough. Well, we did it. You, you made it through safer out even after a video awesome. review. That was, that was, that was piece of, that's a piece of cake, but I've got to tell you that they're kind of those questions that could go either way. Right. Totally. And that's why I like asking people and I'll ask some people, I'll ask everyone a couple of the same ones just to hear different answers too, because it is super mm-hmm. interesting. I think a lot of them could go to video review. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, thank you right. again. This has been really, really awesome. I'm so excited we were able to do it and um, really appreciate your time. I'm so looking forward to everything Nebraska softball has going on going into 2023. Thank you, Jenna. It's been a pleasure to be here today. You know, some of my favorite conversations are when I just learn a lot. And so I'm really glad that we all got to just sit back and absorb everything from someone like Rhonda. And with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about knowing your worth. And it's something that I've been reminding myself of recently, actually. And when you talk to somebody like Rhonda, it reminds me of it too, because you just look at how far she's come in the last 40 years, individually, in Nebraska, athletics as a whole, and even just women's sports in general. When you think of Title IX and making an impact, you think of people like her. But what strikes me is that you don't make that kind of progress and get to where she is without knowing your worth. And it's interesting, though, because what does it actually mean to know your worth? I think it can be a few different things, right? People have their own interpretation. But to me, it comes down to being your own advocate, basically, understanding what you bring and being that advocate for yourself, both internally and externally, you know, for internally, I feel like it has a lot to do with the way you talk to yourself. You know, be nice to yourself, be your own hype person. You bring value to the world. So remind yourself of it. And I think this is especially important when you're up against something hard, because the more you hear something or you think something, the more you believe it. That's why affirmations are a thing. But it's basically just comes down to being a good friend to yourself the way you are with your friends. But then externally, 
it can look like a few different things, standing up for yourself or for people in your world, like your team, let's say, and even asking for more, pushing for more. Rhonda did that, actually. She pushed for a raise for her longtime assistant, Lori Sipple, that she talked about today. So I think, again, this could come out in a bunch of different ways, but just some examples. But the internal impact really comes when you have that internal part down as your foundation. It doesn't mean knowing your worth is easy. It doesn't mean there aren't bad days. But like we've talked about before, the softball community is one of the most resilient groups out there. And I think part of that is because at the end of the day, I think we know our worth. We have a lot of value and we, we know that. And it's not just as individuals, but I think we also know the worth of our game. And that's why we've pushed for more and why we will continue to. Because it starts with valuing what we have and who we are. So that's it. Know your worth. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube, too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. I appreciate your support. We always want to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.